how long here, how long did it move? And, and what you get there is you can visualize your bottlenecks. So we've got a manufacturer and it's, it's all the way through manufacturing. You can tell where these things are. You say, hey, what's the problem here? Orders aren't releasing. Back to your approval queue. So, so Mark, yes, we have done some, some great visualizations after you visualize it and try to plan it. But to your point about architecture, that's part of the architecture as well, is, is can you have analytics that kind of span over? Do you have silos? Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. If you are exploring an ERP initiative, order to cash processes are likely to receive the most attention as they have a lasting impact on customer experience cash conversion cycle, and profitability. The OTC process might get completed within an ERP or it might extend to multiple systems handing off the process at each step. If you have a simplified business where there is always a one-to-one mapping between your orders, shipments, invoices, etc., then your problems might not be as complicated. But most businesses have a significant need for splitting and merging of various orders, batch picking and consolidated invoicing. A streamlined OTC process could make or break your ERP implementation and your company's ability to scale. So what are the best practices for effective order to cash processes and how to streamline to get the desired results? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn, who brings significant expertise to discuss order to cash, business processes, and best practices. We covered many grounds, including the scope and branches that extend from order to cash processes. Finally, we discussed the process and architectural issues because of the process spanning multiple systems and when the documents may have a different life cycle with significant merging, consolidation, and splitting involved. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. For today, the topic is going to be very exciting because this is the foundation of any of the ERP or digital transformation implementation. This is the backbone of the implementation, which is called order to cash process. If you don't have this process figured out, obviously, you're you will have significant challenges overall in terms of profitability. You might have challenges with your implementation as well. So what we are going to do is we are going to start with everybody's intro. Chris, I am actually going to ask you to introduce yourself, if you don't mind. Sure. Chris Ghiardini. I'm the CEO and owner of Turnkey Technologies. We've been implementing Microsoft Dynamics ERP and CRM solutions for the past 30 years. So glad to be here. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for the intro. And thank you so much for being here. Dave, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hey, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting company working with owners and leaders in manufacturing uh, to help them create systems that reclaim their life and grow their business. So thanks for having me, Sam. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Uh, Tom, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Yes. Hi, Sam. And hi, everyone. My name is Tom Ryan, ERP consultant. I uh, just recently uh, wrapped up uh, four years as CIO at Varian Medical Systems, a longtime healthcare industry executive, and uh, really happy to be here and talk about best practices in order to cash. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Tom. Michael, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Hi, uh, I'm Michael. I spent most of my career building different e-commerce systems, uh, which are now is a big part of getting cash and creating orders and then uh, getting paid for it. I'm happy to be here. Now I am doing consulting as part of my company, Commerce is Digital. And you are going to bring very different perspective to the panel, so I'm super excited to have you. Thank you so much for being here, Michael. Thank you for inviting. Mark, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Yes, of course. Uh, thanks for having me, Sam. Uh, my name is Mark Lilly. I'm president and CEO of Lillyworks. 
our team created uh, manufacturing ERPs such as ProfitKey and Visual Manufacturing uh, years ago. And today we're um, helping manufacturers improve production performance with a dynamic production method using a tool called Protected Flow Manufacturing. Okay, amazing. And your perspective from the manufacturing, it's going to be very interesting. Thank you so much for being here, Mark. Thank you. All right. So we are going to dig into the topic now, and I am going to start with you, Chris. So just to set the stage, I don't know if our listeners are going to be familiar with what order to cash process is and what are going to be different variations of the order to cash process when we look at different industries, different product type, different type of businesses. Obviously, the order to cash process varies. So do you want to set the stage and talk about how it varies across different industries? Sure. Thanks, Sam. So order to cash, uh, again, very important part of the business, the cash part especially. But if you think by industry, as Sam pointed out, there's variations. and Everybody thinks, is it a short process? Is it a long process? And I'll give you a couple of examples. And so, you know, let's just talk about a standard distributor, someone who doesn't make product. But where does the order originate? And it could be external to your business, you know, as opposed to somebody keying in a sales order. That's one origination point. But the order to cash process could start further away. It could start on Amazon. Someone places an order, multi-channel, coming in through an interface through EDI. It lands in your system. And, and as you visualize order to cash, you really have to articulate every little stop. And, and part of the ambition in doing that is you want to create velocity in your order to cash process. And so the example where the order lands, what happens? Does somebody have to go look at it? Does the system automatically send it to the warehouse for somebody to pick the product and ship it? What if the product's not in stock? Does it involve procurement? So, again, as you articulate those different steps, but if we focus on just a simple example for the distributor where the order shows up, can we have automation? We've got clients that have put in automation where it looks at the requested ship date, doesn't send it to the warehouse early, sends it when it should be shipped so the guys in the warehouse don't have to think about it and they're picking it and putting the box. But moreover, even that, that process where they're doing a fulfillment and they're actually marking that line item was picked, put in the box, Okay. And what happens? They've picked all the products. There could be more automation that automatically invoices that. You're like, okay, well, that's nice. But in traditional, we have all these steps. And if you think about how long it takes to get from here till somebody looks at it, sends it to the warehouse, the guy picks it up, he picks it, he puts it in the box, it goes through shipping, it gets on a truck, it goes out the door, they print, they turn it into an invoice, they print the invoice, they mail the invoice, they wait for the check to show up. That's a long process. And again, the, the goal here is how do we shrink that? If you think about some of the techniques in there, even plugging in uh, like a sales tax subscription. Great. Sales tax is accurate. Okay. Shipping integration. That's accurate. You've got a warehouse system. So we're, we're picking up little steps here where we're trying to eliminate that people process, even an automatic invoice process. If you think about how much time that saves. So let's go back to the cash part. How do we get our money quicker? Well, you can send out an invoice with a link, pay your invoice. Well, there's a way someone go to a website, push Cassie. So a lot of different things, but part of it starts with visualizing it. And I think as the rest of the panel gets in here, there could be loops in your process. And I think the better you visualize it, right, velocity. I'm a business owner. I want that cash in the bank. And we can even talk about, can I get the money up front? There's cash to order to, to shipping. Anyway, that's where I'll start. But hopefully that gives you some ideas of, of some of those step points in there as you visualize that process and try to figure out how to automate as much as possible. I absolutely love it, to be honest, the way you described. It's just awesome. And especially since you are using the term velocity, I think it's really important. And we are going to be looking at a lot of different KPIs uh, in terms of how to optimize the, those steps. So I am going to have one of the clarifying questions for you, and that is going to be in terms of setting the scope. So obviously, when we look at the traditional scenario where you have just one ERP, you are going to have your order, you are going to have your shipment, you are going to have your invoice, and then you know you are going to be collecting the cash. That's your traditional order to cash process, right? But then you have the branches of the, and the way you are describing that, you could have multiple steps. For example, let's say if we talk about customer service. Now, customer is customer service is going to be part of the uh, you know order to cash process, or <laughs> is it going credit, to be different? Credit check. <laughs> yep, they're over their credit limit. So you're right. There's another fork that could be in the road to credit verification. Exactly. Right. So do you typically consider that as part of the order to cash process, these branched process that we are talking about? Do you have any insight in terms of where to draw the boundaries? Yeah. So it's another step in there, the credit approval. And if you think about workflow, and I didn't mention workflow, but workflow efficiently where the operator can pound the order in, or maybe the order showed up via EDI or VDCOM, and it automatically routes with workflow to somebody when the system knows that, hey, they're over their credit limit. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of Important information the systems have to be set up. Think about lead times on products, you know, even 
payment terms, credit limits. Again, the better you use those things, I mentioned a sales job subscription, but the better you use those attributes and they're defined correctly, yeah. the data is going to move through clean. If you don't have credit limits, right, there's no credit checking. Credit limits are wrong. You got a different problem there. So, but yes, it, it is part of the process because credit limit is, is often hit. And a lot of people, are, what do I do with this? And so again, figuring out an efficient way for that transaction to be routed electronically where somebody looks at it, approves it, updates the customer's credit, or maybe they have a process in the back end where they have to get more credit data from the customer. But those are all processes that could workflow driven so people aren't moving around with paper. So again, that visualization, but that's absolutely a loop that would be considered in there. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. So Dave, I am actually going to come to you next. And my question to you is going to be similar to what I had asked Chris. You can agree, disagree. If you have any points that you want to emphasize what Chris has already mentioned, you can do that. But what I am really looking from you is going to be the difference in the order to cash process that you have seen across the industries. And if there are any sort of the scope boundaries in the order to cash, what is going to be part of the order to cash process and what is not going to be part of order to cash process from your experience? Yeah, thanks, Sam. From my experience, kind of much much like Chris said, there is a all-encompassing kind of viewpoint to have with this yeah. to first be able to go and departmentalize or, or compartmentalize and uh, limit the boundaries of what you are ultimately trying to impact with the order to cash process. So again, from my perspective, having kind of that macro view uh, is going to help you get to the point where if there are some boundaries you can put in there. Uh, so I'll give you one example, uh, job shop manufacturing. Uh, when we start to take a look at some of those different twists and turns and you ask Chris about uh, you know, specifically on the customer service side in that environment, uh, that is one of the key components uh, of the order to cash process because you're dealing with a lot of specifications and you've got to communicate those specifications very clearly as they're coming into you. And again, back to where Chris started with all of this, which I, I it was brilliant, by the way, but you've got all of these incoming connection points, right? So that could generate from e-commerce. It could be depending on what your model is, it could be from a distributor, an end user. There's a lot of different entry points. And so organizing and understanding those entry points as they're coming to you, then sorting through those specifications and ultimately getting to the point where you can clearly communicate those throughout the process, throughout the rest of the process to be able to, um, you know, impact uh, finally receiving the cash is, is kind of critical. So those are some of the things that I've seen uh, in that environment. Very interesting perspective. So the clarifying question I'm going to have for you is going to be related to the variations that you have seen. And obviously, since you are emphasizing on those entry points, and obviously the channels are going to be different for each of the industries and the businesses that you are working with. And the, uh, you know, in case of machine shop that you mentioned that you are going to have a lot of specifications in other businesses, you might not have that. So from the industry perspective, what are some of the variations that you have seen when you work with these uh, companies or the industries as far as order to cash process goes? Yeah, in terms of, uh, are you saying, could you clarify just a little how, bit for How me? the order to cash process is going to be different across different business types? Because each business is unique. They are going to have unique channels. They are going to have unique workflow for the order to cash, right? So when you compare these different order to cash processes, what are the differences that you have noticed? Uh, and seen in your uh, engagements? Yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest difference, again, gets back to understanding what information needs to be communicated clearly to cover the cap, to cover the process itself, right? So in the example that I gave, um, you know, having the, the specifications that are coming in from the incoming channels and being able to uh, ultimately clearly communicate those out to the rest of the production. I mean, those are things that are going to be, again, touching uh, credit, touching QA, touching uh, the next department, which uh, in that specific example would have been a uh, pre-production department, planning department. All of those things uh, ultimately are going to be able to uh, come together to impact that process. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much. Dave, for that. So, Tom, I'm actually going to come to you. And since you have been very involved with some of the large implementations, and typically when you look at, you know, larger ecosystems such as SAP, you are going to have designated folks that are going to be specializing either in uh, order to cash process or P2P process. So you really need to have that scope. 
if a, a specific process is not going to be part of 4 3 obviously the guy you are working with, they will not have any answers for that. You need to go to somebody else. So when it comes to the uh, defining the scope, and Chris mentioned a little bit that you know you need to fork it out, you need to find the scope. So in terms of the scope, what have you seen where you have uh, you know drawn the boundaries for the order to cash process? And if you have seen any variations across the industries for the order to cash process? Well, certainly there are many, many variations. And I think uh, the team here today has spoken to a couple of them and yeah, I could, I could add a few more, but um, I think to your first question, the definition of scope yeah. for order to cash in my mind is really about the continuous flow that is required in order to deliver to the customer. So for example, if someone places an order and that is a make to stock item. In my eyes, there's no need to involve manufacturing directly in that continuous flow in order to serve the customer. The order to cash process assumes stock is an inventory. So there will be an order, there will be uh, a delivery preparation, there will be warehousing operations, there will be shipping, there will be collections, invoicing, you know, there, there is a continuous flow. But if that business, is much more of a make to order. Uh, for example, where I worked at Varian, we, we built large scale capital equipment items, radiation therapy machines. These were make to order. These were configurable. Everyone that was shipped to every hospital could be different. And so the, the process of triggering manufacturing to get involved was based on the order. So manufacturing in a make to order uh, flow is an integral part of the order to cash flow in my mind. Yep. Um, and again, I think you can you can debate these things. Uh, maybe it's a, a, a religious argument it's in some ways with some people, but I, I'd like to simplify it in that way and just say, if it's part of the flow to enable delivery to the customer in a continuous manner, then it is part of the order to cash process. Um, so procurement typically would not be part of that order to cash process. Uh, human resources wouldn't typically be part of that order to cash process. But, you know, there could be scenarios where, you know, we don't we don't serve the customer until we get the order. We don't procure and we're, we're a distributor and we don't carry that inventory. So that item is is going to require procurement in the flow to meet the customer requirement. Similarly, if I have a service business and I hire based on the contracts that I make with customers, I don't have a large staff of service engineers or uh, uh, service providers um, at my beck and call. So I have a pool that I draw upon of free agents, <clears throat> contractors, and I bring them in. To me, then that becomes part of the order to cash process. I get this service contract and now I need to go get the resources in order to deliver the services. And so there's a, a flow and it gets into some of the things Chris was talking about, about when you're really doing it well, whatever your order to cash process is, you've got a handle on the cycle times, uh, you've minimized delays in the process, and it's a very efficient, streamlined flow. So that's how I tend to look at it. Okay, amazing. I love the dis distinction, the way you are describing the, uh, the make to stock and make to order process. Obviously, there are going to be a significant differences there. That is obviously number one. The second thing that you mentioned about involvement of procurement, at times, you are absolutely right. In fact, when you have scenarios such as drop shipping, it's going to be a different ball game. It's going to be a very, very, very different order to cash flow. The service industries that you have mentioned, and I love the way you are thinking about the continuous flow. But in your experience, I'm, the clarifying question that I'm going to have for you, Tom, is going to be, let's say if you have just one system, obviously the process is going to be slightly easier. But once you have multiple systems, the process is going to be trickier because the multiple systems need to talk to each other and pretend that it's a one system because you are really trying to replicate that continuous flow, the term that you are trying to, to use. But it is not going to be as continuous because you have multiple systems involved. They have their own ways of the way they behave. So in case of multiple systems, have you seen any challenges in the order to cash process? Oh, yes, many. Okay, so tell um, me. <laughs> uh, just at, at the very start, um, we we at Varian, uh, as an example, again, I'll use that configurable order uh, where it's pretty much a, a, a make to order scenario. Um, you know, we were using one application uh, to 
issue a quote to a customer. Um, then there was a second application uh, that turned that quote into a pre-order. Then that handed off to another application, SAP, on the back end, where it finally became a full-fledged shippable order, uh, which then triggered MRP and manufacturing and so on, um, and invoicing eventually. So, you know, there were at least those three systems and a few other peripheral systems. And that led to many challenges, just mapping data between the systems so that the interfaces would function properly um, and, and data structures being different in different systems always becomes an issue. You know, the definition of some certain data elements, dates was always a big one. You know, what does a date mean in this system and how is it used and what does it mean in this system? And, and if you don't map those things very, very well, um, you will have confusion and delays. Um, and that's not even when an interface fails for some reason. That's just the, the, the data isn't cleanly mapped. Um, and, uh, you know, and we had issues where, you know, there were a dozen different types of customers or a dozen different types of date fields in SAP. And some of the other systems weren't as complex or as rich uh, or as complicated. Um, and they didn't have as many fields even to map to the back end. And so it, it became a real challenge. Um, so, yeah, there, there are lots of issues that I have lived through. All right. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tom, for that. So, Michael, I'm actually going to come to you. And uh, the uh, reason why I had asked the multiple system scenario, because that's where you live in, in your case, it's really going to be, uh, and when Dave spoke about different entry points, in your case, the entry points are going to be far more complex. The order consolidation workflow is going to be far more complex. So when you look at the order to cash process, the scope of the order to cash process, as well as the variations across the industries that you have seen, what has been your experience, Michael? I think it's uh, uh, definitely adding additional um, type of uh, actors who can add orders, which in this case may be consumers or businesses on a, web, uh, on a uh, through the website or through any other digital channel, adds complexity uh, to it. Yeah? So as Tom just mentioned, all this mapping of uh, what quote means and what is the order or what is shopping cart versus order or versus quote, that uh, obviously um, basically adding just one more system to discard to, the, uh, to this mix. Yeah? But the main kind of challenge I see when adding uh, e-commerce into that environment, especially for uh, complex businesses like Tom described or kind of B2B businesses that selling complex stuff for distributors, is that um, there's a lot of work, as you mentioned, put in into optimizing these processes. But this optimization is done from internal view perspective. Business optimized how it's going to work. And the first uh, uh, thing that uh, companies are doing who basically just going online and starting offering their products on, online, they try to take the existing processes they are comfortable with and putting them online. But terminologies that you use, steps that you use, they make sense from if you for employees, but not from consumer. And this is really what I'm saying is really you need to change your view on the system, the way you consider it and look how your order to cash, or at least order part, looks from customer perspective. What is uh, their journey? Are they comfortable? Do they want to follow that what you are actually using internally? Is the request for quote should be the same when you're asking creating quote online versus when somebody call you an employer uh, uh, types this stuff in uh, ERP or SAP or whatever system uh, you're using? Yeah. So I think this really is a big disconnect that I see between process that optimized for internal use by trained employees and then putting the process uh, outside of your organization when you don't have trained employees, basically just the consumers or uh, business buyers, but they're not part of your organization, they don't know your terminology, they don't know your processes, and really they don't care, they just want to get good customer experience. Okay, so very interesting perspective. So the clarifying question I'm going to have for you is going to be, so obviously the point that you mentioned that, you know, if you are simply trying to expose your internal processes to your use, uh, to your external customers, obviously they are not going to be able with that. There could be two perspectives of why they might not be comfortable and how you might be able to solve that. One could be simply changing the terminology, which is sort of the marketing side of the problem, where you are simply rebranding, you know, whatever, uh, however you are 
positioning inside your organization versus how you are positioning externally versus you are actually making the process changes. So have you seen any sort of process changes in case of e-commerce that needs to be reflected in your e-commerce process? Otherwise, that is going to impact your order to cash cycle from your experience. I think there's many one. And uh, I really like what Chris mentioned that uh, creating a visual map of, yeah. uh, of, of this journey. Yeah. So I think uh, the first thing you do when you're really opening your taking orders outside of organization, yeah, uh, online or by other means, then uh, you need to take your map and see, try to work with, uh, from customer point of view so, and try to simplify it and maybe do different uh, steps. I give you an extreme example. When I was working for SAP Hybris, we were uh, doing e-commerce system for insurance companies. Like, uh, again, this is an extreme complex, very complex industry. And how insurance company uh, works? Usually agent comes to your uh, home yeah, and opens huge forms and you start putting all your history, uh, financial history or whatever insurance you're buying or your health history and all of that. So the first thing they were trying to do online is uh, uh, basically customer comes to your site and having this all long form and first field is your social insurance number. And they couldn't understand that I'm as a consumer, I just came to your site. I don't know you. I don't trust you. You haven't told me what you can do for me and you want me to put uh, my address and my social insurance number in. So that uh, is really an uh, extreme situation when your uh, company needs to change the way how they approach selling uh, online versus selling using the internal process and internal sales. Okay, amazing. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Michael, for that. Chris, did you have a comment? Yeah, it just uh, you said, uh, thinking about other complicated order of cash processes. I kept thinking about professional services and, and even whip review. I've got a guy right now that's got 180 employees and they're all doing timesheets and it's a nightmare for them to get invoicing done because they've got thousands and thousands of line items. And you think about the complexities in that and I think the other one that came to mind as I was listening is outsourced manufacturing. Yep. Well, that adds another. But it, yeah, interesting is you, you know, and Tom, Tom stirred me. So that was all I wanted to comment is there's so much more complex quote to cash process out there that uh, still haven't figured out how to make that whip review perfect. If you think about markup and collecting comments and updates and edits, it's just a uh, pick, pack and ship seems so easy compared to that. <laughs> Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. So, Mark, I'm actually going to come to you. In terms of there are two perspectives. Number one is scope. Number two, if you have seen any variations across the industries. And since Chris mentioned about the contract manufacturing, so you are probably going to have a little bit of perspective because you bring a very manufacturing-centric view, right? So in case of contract manufacturing, obviously, the order to cash process is going to be very different. And now, if you have your international supply chain where contract manufacturing is overseas, now your payment processes are going to be very different. Sometimes the delay could be up to six months where you might be sending the pro forma invoice and then you might be getting goods after six months. That could actually jeopardize the way you actually close your business and sometimes you need to go back and reopen your period. Uh, I don't know what you have seen. So I am looking for some of the differences in the order to cash cycle that you have seen across the sub industries uh, as well as the scope of order to cash process. Sure. Well, yeah. Um, it- as I mentioned, most of our, um, in my experience, is uh, is really in in manufacturing. So sub industries within manufacturing varies greatly too, as as has been mentioned. Um, you know, make to stock manufacturers clearly versus uh, make to order, even engineer to order, right? And then um, and then hybrids as well. If if you're doing both, um, that that has you know all sorts of other processes that go along with it. As um, as folks probably may remember, if if you've been around as long as I have, in 1975, George Plossel, um came up with his first law of manufacturing, which which simply states, and this goes to to Tom's point, what Chris was saying earlier, Dave, and and that is the all benefits in a company are directly related to the speed of flow of uh, of materials and information, right? And, uh, and, and that's really true. So, so being able to, uh, to look at it and visualize it, as Chris is pointing out and, uh, and then go, go deep into it to see how can we, how can we simplify it? How can we make it more customer, uh, friendly is, is going to speed those processes and, uh, and have all sorts of improvements uh, for the company. We see a couple of things in particular and maybe not so much with, uh, with contract manufacturing. Although there may be a part there, but where where there's an engineering group inside and where uh, engineering has to do work, 
prior to uh, getting customer approval before it goes to production. This is um, uh, this is a critical part of uh, of of order to cash, and um, it it gets down to the the overall lead time of that transaction, right? Because the, the longer engineering is going to take to do something, the shorter shorter period of time of of the allocated lead time that that sales came in with, right? And we often see where where things aren't clear for engineering, right? If they, if they don't have their priorities clear, for example, they um, they they may decide what they what they want to work on, type of thing. So once it gets out of engineering, gets approved, then production has a very 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 short time frame to do it, and uh, and and that can put a lot of stress on them. So that's that's just one example. Um, I when I think order to cash, um, I always think kind of like Michael. Um, e-commerce, certainly part of it, but um, certainly configurator or what they now call CPQ, right? Configure price quote type of tools. And uh, and these are these are tremendous tools. Um, sometimes there you'll find them baked into an ERP. Sometimes there'll be a separate application. We we had a we had a recent client just um, last year uh, that they actually just just purchased in December, but it was a long long sales cycle because they had developed this unbelievable spreadsheet that basically did configure I mean pricing configuring everything I mean it it configured exactly the end product they want and then they took that and they exported it off to their ERP right so um, they took a they took a lot of time looking at different CPQ tools configurators and whatnot and there were some really nice tools and frankly it was more of a price issue for them it's um, for smaller companies, it's it's not inexpensive to get into some of these tools because they're worth it. Um, but uh, the, these folks were small and price sensitive, so they actually stayed with their their spreadsheet. But what they're going to do is um, use uh, an, an integration approach. So sort of a you know there there are point to point integrations, and then there are integration platforms that can be configured to uh, to tie in. To, uh, to these different things. And I think there's been a lot of advancement there. You know, we, we talk about interfacing and clearly if you're one company and you're tying in one piece of software, you're gonna create a point to point solution, that makes sense. But um, if you're tying the same type of tool into, into multiple uh, systems across different customers, um, the APIs out there are fantastic. And um, you don't even have to worry too much about mapping because the, the API takes care of it. As long as there are APIs on both sides, then you can write a, an intermediary program that simply calls the, makes the associated API calls and does the, uh, does the translation, even transformation and the mapping in, uh, in that program. So, um, I think, I think it's come, a, it's come a long way since when we started out with, with those ERPs I mentioned in terms of uh, being able to develop integrations and, and smoothing out that, that whole order to cash process for folks. Okay, so very interesting uh, you know, points there. I especially enjoyed the point about uh, the customer approval and its implications on the downstream processes. And you mentioned that you know what, if you are going to take long time during customer approval, then you are going to have shortly time during your production. I don't know if uh, you have seen this happening in a lot of different industries. I don't know if those KPIs are going to be part of that. If customers are actually not committed to the order just yet, then your lead times are probably going to start once they finish the order, not really during the approval phase, right? Uh, or is that going to be part? So what well, are you well <laughs> you're, you're talking about customers now, Sam. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they, they say, hey, uh, you, you told me you'd get this to me in 12 weeks, right? The fact that, that I took three weeks to get back to you to approve it, you know, sorry. That, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not going to, you know, even though I said originally I'd get back to you in five days, right? So, you know, we, we hear that oftentimes as well. The customer's always right type of thing. So they, they pass along. But um, but seriously, what and no, that that is a serious point. But the but what we often hear is just simply um, it's it's hard to have the visibility as to as to what's out there waiting for approval, right? How how long it's been out, you know, really, which one should I be paying attention to to ping and say, hey, are are we ready on this, right? So so I think that's the struggle we see with um with a lot of folks is that that visibility of of uh, of what's going on. Okay, fair point. Thank you so much, uh, Mark, for that. So the next segment that I am actually going to open up is going to be related to the architecture, Chris, which is the favorite topic that we have. 
right? So, you know, when we look at the complexity of order to cash books, so we have already discussed the scope, we have discussed the variations across the industries, but the other variation that you we are going to see in the order to cash process is going to be when you have this hybrid transaction as part of your order to cash process. So when I say hybrid, meaning you have a lot of splitting and merging of the orders, splitting and merging of the shipments. If you have just one-to-one flow, you are a simple retail shop, easy peasy, no problem. But when you have the uh, splitting and merging and you have multiple systems involved, have you seen any challenges from the architecture perspective in accommodating the consolidation scenarios, whether you are either uh, you know splitting, merging, consolidating uh, the order, invoice, or the shipment? So, you know, I'm spoiled. We have the end-to-end integrated, but I think you're right, is when there's not um, a good integration point, it's it's a gap, you know, and if you're carrying the transaction from point A to point B manually, or it's it's a it's a manual process to run a step, I mean, that's that's where the architecture can compromise velocity, and uh, I think we've talked about integrations, we talked about APIs, you know, and I think I want to clarify my comment about visualizing order to cash initially is just to, 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 to draw it, but the other comment and real story is we created Power BI visibility visualization of order to cash meaning columns it's cues it's like how long here how long did it move and and what you get there is you can visualize your bottlenecks so we've got a manufacturer and it's it's all the way through manufacturing you can tell where these things are you say hey what's the problem here orders aren't releasing back to your approval queue so so mark yes we have done some some great visualizations after you visualize it and try to plan it but to your point about architecture that's part of the architecture as well is is can you have analytics that kind of span over do you have silos ecom are there orders in e-com that haven't moved into ERP? I need to know that, right? What happened? Is my integration stopped working? So that's a whole different aspect of architecture where now we're adding a monitoring. And I think that we haven't talked about that, but I think that's a big part of once you do it, you're like, great, you can't take your eye off of it, but you want to manage the exceptions. And so the architecture, it could compromise exception management, but I think you also need to focus on the analytics of it so that you can tell the thing's running or it beeps you and says, hey, this one's out of tolerance. We've got 1,500 orders that are waiting to be integrated, for example, and that's a problem because, right, everybody else is waiting for work. So it's so a lot of other factors on architecture. And again, just as you layer over the visibility of it, two kinds of visibility I was talking about. Does that answer what you were looking for? Or? Yeah, I'm actually going to build on top of that. So, sure. uh, you know, let's say if we talk about the splitting and merging and the consolidation, uh, you know, things could be very, very, very complex depending upon how complex your splitting and merging is. I'll give you some examples. Okay. When you go to industries such as, you know, I think we had discussed the last mile industry uh, or the transportation industry where your order needs to split in a lot of different, uh, you know, fraction and then you need to probably put that in multiple containers and that happens in case of your freight forwarding as well. So when you have this large order and then you need to split that and, you know, probably create multiple shipment, shipment or you have multiple shipment that need to be combined. That's what you're saying. So yeah, that's where so, the major complexity is going to be in the order to cash process. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in your warehouse operations, if you take about looking at whether you're palletizing or to your point, if you're doing container planning, you're correct. There's now you're extending more capability on the backside of the application to figure out the logistics, right? Whether your your system's smart enough to know your cubes and what'll fit where, and it knows how to palletize, and it tells you how to load those things. So now you're adding you're adding more capability on the back end of the system. Now hopefully hopefully it's integrated, right? Because there's a lot of attributes that are coming from the ERP that have to move through warehousing and into the systems that are going to articulate how to package into your point about splitting. So again, if if those aren't integrated systems. It's the example where I took the order over here. I got to go key it back in. Well, you, you've got to have integration there. Or that's going to be a compromising factor for just velocity. You may be able to get it done, but how long does it take? And that's where you have to do your analytics to figure out that, hey, we're losing money. We made money when we made the product, but we lose money by the time we get out the door. There's a realization. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for that, Chris. So, Dave, I'm actually going to come to you now. So when we look at this whole uh, idea of merging and consolidation and uh, managing the entire order to cash process, sometimes when businesses look at the order to cash process or the ERP implementation for them, they are thinking, you know what, this is going to be my plain uh, order to cash process, whether I'm service business, make to stock, make to order, logistics, everybody is doing sort of order to cash. But the real complexity is going to be in that aspect of the problem, which is going to be merging versus you know consolidation, right? And sometimes the systems are really going to be inefficient in handling that. You might be buying a system that may be designed for, let's say, very retail business where you don't have uh, as much uh, complex orders and you don't really have that uh, you know complexity going on. And you are going to use that, and obviously it's not going to work for you because your business and transactions are far more complex. So in your experience, 
have you seen any sort of architectural complexity and made architectural decisions where this was a factor? Yeah. And, you know, Chris touched on it a little bit. And, you know, from the standpoint of, yes, in an ideal scenario, you're going to have everything uh, integrated. So you're not dealing with some of those complexities. But from my experience, what I've seen and, and kind of dealt with firsthand is really the opposite of that. So what you don't realize oftentimes when you haven't done a good job of visualizing what the ordered cash process looks like, uh, and all of the different entry points and exit points. And, you know, Sam, to your point, like the splits and whatnot that happen throughout that when you haven't done a good job of visualizing that and you, you could potentially end up with a system that doesn't handle it from an integrated fashion. So in that scenario and a scenario that I'm pretty familiar with, what we used to have to do, uh, when we didn't have that integration was actually take a look at a lot of manual process, a lot of manual KPIs. And that's the, the trigger points back to what Chris was saying. You know, when we, when you don't have the business intelligence built into it, when you don't have the ability to pull the data and visualize those bottlenecks, you're doing it manually through KPIs. And it can be a real challenge to not only identify where those bottlenecks are, but then start to uh, chip away through process improvement, through, you know, potentially bolt-ons or, or what have you, potentially, a, a, you know, a new system integration uh, to be able to address and ultimately resolve those issues so that you are moving towards a more streamlined uh, ordered cash process for each one of, again, those entry points and exit points and twists and turns and things that happen in, in uh, throughout different types of manufacturing. Okay, amazing points there. So, Tom, I'm actually going to come to you now, really, respect, with respect to the architectural complexity uh, that you may have seen because of the order, different order types that required, uh, you know, different merging, splitting, and consolidation. Well, yeah, I was thinking about this, Sam, um, when you started the, the second phase of our conversation, and um, and there were actually three things that came to mind to me, three examples, if I can go through those quickly. One is on the order side where, you know, I mentioned earlier, we had a system where the quote a CPQ system, Mark's point, a very, very useful system for highly configurable products. So we had a, a quote in a CPQ system and that fed then into our SAP ERP system for the order ultimately. Um, and there was actually a system in between the two, in fact. But uh, that is something architecturally that we initially said we have to live with. Um, we couldn't find an ERP package or even a, uh, a CRM package that had the CPQ capabilities we needed. So we had to get yet another package. In addition to ERP, in addition to CRM, we had to have a CPQ package that could handle the truly complex configurable materials that our company was selling. And for years, literally years, we have been going to, in this case, Salesforce and saying, can you do it? Can you do it? We are desperate to simplify our landscape, consolidate this complexity into one application or maybe just two instead of three. Um, and we're in the process of doing that at Varian right now. That is the big program underway right now, which is in part replace the old CPQ system consolidated. In itself. And we believe that's going to streamline things. Just as an example, new product introduction, um, which is a little different than quote to cash, but it, it's, it's in some cases... Uh, very closely related to quote to cash. You can't sell a product to a customer unless you've got the product in the system. And, uh, you know, the complexity of doing the updates into two systems, the CPQ system, actually three, the CRM system and the SAP system, uh, our ERP, that was a nightmare. It would take months for us to do the updates for the new products or the new features and then test them and then make them available. Um, it was... It was something that we said we have to resolve and get this down to weeks, if not days, for the introduction of a new product. I'm talking about when it's fully engineered, right? It's not the engineering process that's taken us this long. It's just getting the data into the system, testing it across three different platforms, just ridiculous. So that's one example. Second example is, and again, it's, it's you know, arguably order to cash, uh, which is on the service side. In many cases, uh, at varying, like in other companies, Service is a paid service. Um, so customers may be under contract. They may not be under contract. Yep. If they're not under contract, then it's an order. They're placing an order to get some service and they're going to pay for it. And uh, we found that, uh, again, due to some of the complexity of our products, on the back end service delivery, we couldn't create a work order 
in Salesforce that can handle the complexity, just like the original order was too complex to handle with the basics of Salesforce. And so we ended up with another package on the back end that created, that moved from the dispatch, which was in Salesforce, where, you know, we had a case, it needed to be resolved. The customer, you know, raised this issue and we created the case. Then we sent it to the dispatch team and they had their dispatch console and then they assigned it to a field service engineer and that triggered the creation of a work order, but the work order had to be closely tied to the product and product complexity was again something that Salesforce couldn't handle very well, both on the front end for the quote and now on the back end for the service delivery. And so we had another package. Well, we replaced that a couple of years ago, um, but again, there was incredible complexity, breaks in the process. And, and the third thing I'll give you as an example was um, from an architectural point of view where we didn't, we didn't have to get a new package, but we had quotes that were being delivered to customers. And then we had our sales order and shipment and invoicing process. And on the invoice, all the way at the end, the invoice coming out of SAP looked so different from the quote coming out of the CPQ system uh, that customers continually raised issues. There were lots of disputes, lots of confusion, yep. delays to our collections, and, and frankly, bleeding of uh, revenue and margin because of concessions that we would make due to some of those confusions. And uh, we ended up saying, again, architecturally, we can't get rid of CRM, we can't get rid of ERP, but what we can do is we can take the invoice and say, we're gonna do the entire customer facing piece in the CRM layer. So when we get that quote, we'll do it in the CRM system. When we get that order, we'll create it in the CRM system. We'll pass some demand SAP, but it's not really the order management system going forward. It's going to be an order that will be used to drive procurement, to drive manufacturing, but not for customer facing purposes. It's more internal. And when we get downstream to the invoice, we're gonna do that out of Salesforce as well, not out of the ERP system, so that it matches exactly the quote and we'll let GL account postings be fed into our ERP from the invoice. And again, it'll be for financial, purposes, reporting purposes, system of record for financials, but you know, the, the customer is going to see an invoice out of the same system that they saw the quote, the same system they saw the order. And so that was a big architectural uh, debate. Uh, could we do that? And I think it's, it's making a tremendous improvement in the speed of the data flow, the cleanliness, the clarity for the customer, and, and, and improving a lot of aspects of our order to cash process. So those are a couple of examples. Now we are talking about the reality of the process. I mean, this is how complex the architecture is when you are going to have multiple systems and the kind of challenges you are going to have. It's a nightmare. To uh, so thank you so much, Tom, for that. And Michael, I am actually going to come to you now when we look at this aspect of the problem, when we are talking about merging and splitting and consolidation. And I think we have discussed this in the past. When we look at the, the marketplace, now marketplace is a different ballgame. When you look at the marketplace business model, in that, the splitting, merging, and consolidation is going to be very different. So what Tom has described is still very easy. If you have marketplace component on top of that, oh my goodness, you are going to have real fun. So from your perspective, when you look at this aspect, from the architecture perspective, what are the challenges that you have seen in the order to cash process? I think I actually want to uh, follow up on uh, what Tom just described, uh, because uh, basically a challenge that he described is, again, how to take uh, this information, can, uh, regardless of what number of backend system you have, how to make this communication to customer and presenting information to customer in a consistent way. And also, how to get customer involved into this communication and keep track of this communication. And uh, I saw um, now in, uh, many systems implemented in a way where these configurators, including CPQ process, are actually built inside uh, uh, online interfaces, inside of uh, uh, e-commerce. Yeah? The same as uh, uh, Tom uh, uh, example with services. When I'm defining e-commerce system, I'm looking uh, basically when I wrote a blog post a long time ago saying, for me, everything is a product. Service is a product. It has name, description, price. Uh, uh, yeah, so if you, it also has association with uh, machines that you say, because it's service to serve this machine. So it's a product relation uh, between them. Yeah. So if you can abstract this way and have a single interface to the customer, 
then what I'm putting in my shopping cart, maybe I'm buying some standard parts that you have already on warehouse. I'm adding to it configurable product. And of course, e-commerce system is not smart enough to configure a product. So I'm going to CPQ system, but CPQ system returns me block of data, which is maybe cut drawing or whatever uh, it is required to manufacture. I attach it to an uh, item. You want service? I'm adding service from Kettle. And then I'm going to a uh, uh, backend system and you can handle this and that place order can be split. Uh, many uh, B2B uh, focus systems also do order splitting. They do order splitting for this situation. Obviously, your uh, order for service should go into one system and order for configurable parts go to manufacturing and uh, different, different process. And as a same uh, said, if you're also running marketplace, and in your case, probably you're running hidden marketplace because you may have different suppliers or different uh, companies who you are outsourcing part of production and all of that. Yeah. So uh, I think the order should be split. At that time, but again, uh, customer-facing interface, between e-commerce or CRM, should have consistent reporting. So if uh, my item is in production and my item is ready to be shipping, it should be done in the same terms, in the same uh, way invoice should really, uh, uh, if you go to my uh, order history and I see my order history, and when invoice is generated, uh, uh, they should be consistent. Yeah? And of course, uh, it's, uh, a financial system may generate an invoice, but instead of sending it to customer, it can transfer it to customer-facing system. I think this is what Tom was referring to CRM or into e-commerce system. That again, presented in the same way, in the same place, attach it to the order, so we have really consistent. Okay, amazing insights there. Thank you so much, Michael, for that. So Mark, I'm actually going to come to you. In terms of the architectural complexities that you have seen when the multiple systems are going to be involved and where you have the complexity of splitting, merging, and consolidation of orders in the O2C cycle. Um, I, I have to say, I, I don't have much experience there. That's more, you know, I think uh, higher end, especially distribution or larger, you know, over, you know, 100, 100 million plus type manufacturers. I'm I'm typically dealing with, you know, five, five to 50 million dollar manufacturers who don't don't really encounter that um, all, all that often. What I what I will say is um, some of the um, uh, Michael made a, a really good point I was going to make, which was um the uh, the CPQ systems integrate very nicely today with um, the e-commerce system. So I, I think everybody's probably had that experience. I've forgotten which car, most car manufacturers, I think now you can get online and pick a model and choose a color and choose different, you know, trim or different scenarios. And it will literally build the car for you that you want to see. Right. So um, that that capability is out there today. Um, in terms of in terms of moving forward and, and what the future is bringing, I think what what we're seeing a lot of is, is of course, you know, AI, both under um, you know, really, really three three areas where AI is being applied. And that is um, certainly predictive analytics. Um, and, and I think you can you can do that today. Um, there there are certain you know, there are definitely capabilities where you can take your order to cash cycle today whether you're including, you know, manufacturing or or not and apply predictive analytics to it and uh, and even do different scenarios and um, and see what what effect that's going to have. Right. So where you know, where where are those bottlenecks? Where's our biggest opportunity to make improvements along that order to cash cycle? And uh, and what's the what's the impact of addressing that? Right. So there's um, there's predictive analytics, there's uh, a digital twin. So probably, you know, another higher end way to to do do that uh, predictive planning um, or predictive analysis, I should say. And then, of course, there's there's always machine learning where um, I've I've seen I've heard about some ERP systems today using machine learning in in the order to cash cycle in order to. Um, identify those patterns, right? Um, d- different different customer payment patterns, for example, um, to uh, to highlight, you know, which which ones are problems, uh, which which clients or groups or types of clients are uh, are problematic um, b- before they, you know, have a have a negative effect to the company. Okay, amazing insights there. So, you know, Chris brought in uh, Power BI for just analyzing the funnel. Now we have machine learning as well. That is going to be so cool. Thank you so much, Mark, for that. So at this point of time, the only thing we can take is going to be the closing advice. Chris, I am going to start with you. What would be your closing advice? So uh, 
Yeah, as you visualize your quote to cash process, come back and look at where you can automate business process automation. You know, if you've got people making decisions, and to Mark's point, AI is involved in our applications and helping on credit checking. So if you take a person out of the loop, just like the auto invoice, just think about it. You can save a lot of money, a lot of time, and it's the same thing on payments. You don't need a person putting checks in the bank. Let them do it themselves. So a lot of advantages. Thank you. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for that advice. Dave, I'm going to come to you for your advice. Yeah, thanks, Sam. I would build a little bit on what Chris was saying uh, in terms of visualizing, you know, the your flow throughout your operation. And the other thing that really didn't come up today, but I think bears uh, kind of worth mentioning here is the fact that you also want to be forward looking. So if there are some plans in your business future to add a new product line or, you know, change something about your manufacturing process, you want to be considering those things uh, throughout this uh, process of uh, visualizing your current uh, and future state for uh, your order of cash. Okay, amazing advice there. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. Uh, Tom, I'm going to come to you for your advice, please. Um, well, this panel and talk was entitled, in part, Best Practices, right? Best Practices in OT. And um, uh, <clears throat> one thing we didn't talk much about was what do we mean by best? Um, and uh, there was a lot of talk about cycle time and speed and efficiency. Uh, and that is one aspect of a best practice. Uh, but there are others such as uh, Six Sigma accuracy or uh, the ease and intuitive way in which systems and processes work, um, the transparency for customers, um, the security and privacy side um, that it's you know really robust and so on. And, and in, in the business I've been in at Varian, speed has not actually been the most critical. It has been much more a case of how do we ensure that we live up to our commitments, we, we, we do what we say, we meet our promises, and how do we do it in an accurate, flawless way? And so flawless, accurate, and, and consistent, reliable, those, those were the best practices that we were pursuing. So my advice would be figure out what in your business best means, yep. because you don't have to be best at everything. Now, figure out what best means in your industry, in your business, your competitive advantage, and pursue that. Okay, love it. Powerful advice there. And obviously, speed is not going to be the element for everybody. So figure out you know, what your core differentiator is. Uh, thank you so much, Tom, for that. Michael, what would be your closing advice, please? I would like to continue with this automation uh, phase because uh, this is why we created computers to stop doing repetitive, uh, uh, boring jobs. But the question is how to automate, and we all know how difficult it is to get IT resources, how difficult it is to hire developers, and how long uh, it takes to change uh, such uh, critical systems like uh, ERPs. So I'm uh, really excited about these uh, low-code, no-code approaches and the process automation tools, because it uh, gives uh, opportunity to your employees who actually know the business and know the process the best, to automate them, to uh, really make themselves more productive and business, of course, more, more successful with these tools without waiting for IT or requiring expensive IT resources. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Michael, for that. And Mark, what would be your closing advice, please? Uh, it's it's really a focus on flow, right? So, um, you know, whatever, how, how, wherever in your process uh, you think you can uh, make the most improvement or, or uh, has the most opportunity for improvement, Take a look at that and, and focus on the flow, but be be cognizant of the fact that that flow um, also also means and, and can mean being careful, you know, how how much is happening in a given time period. Right. So um, uh, Chris mentioned earlier, like you, you wouldn't want to ship material uh, to to the warehouse if it if it wasn't ready to be processed. Right. So so that's a big part of it is looking at flow doesn't necessarily mean you know, doing things as quickly as possible. It, it means um, con doing things in the at the right time as well. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Mark, for that. So that's it for today. On that note, I want to thank everybody for their time and insights. Thanks, everybody. Good seeing you guys. Thanks, Sam. Bye-bye. Yeah. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Chris Garadini, head over to turnkeytech.com. It's T-U-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C.com. 
If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to thechrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about Tom Rodden, follow him on LinkedIn. If you want to learn more about Mark Lilly, head over to lillyworks.com. It's L-I-L-L-Y-W-O-R-K-S dot com. If you want to learn more about Michael Vox, head over to commerceisdigital.com. It's C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E-I-S-D-I-G-I-T-A-L dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Michael Vox, who shares his insights on the marketplace business model and the challenges associated with launching it. Also, the interview with Rich Said, who describes his journey and the pitfalls of implementing six ERP projects throughout his career. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to get you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.